0: Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Delighted you able to join me here. Last hour we talked about politics and how ultimately the political flows from the ethical, which flows from the cultural, which ultimately goes all the way back to worship. How ought we to order our lives together as a people has to answer the question of how do we worship. For Catholics, that... uh, is formally answered, of course, by the church's liturgical uh, teaching. Uh, my guest, David Seitz, is the author of "Come Let Us Worship." It's a wonderful set of reflections on the words and prayers of the Mass for anyone who's wondering <laughs> what it's all about. David's a professional, uh, uh, profess excuse me is a professed secular Franciscan, the author, as I said, of "Come Let Us Worship." He's the founder of Tao Ministries. It's a retreat and speaking ministry focusing on Catholic spirituality. Uh, his mission is to help people from all walks of life seek a deeper relationship with God. He studied in the MA uh, Theology Program at Sacred Heart Major Seminary in Detroit with a concentration of sc- sacred scripture. He's also earned his certification in the New Evangelization from Sacred Heart. He also serves uh, as a certified hospice chaplain. David, good to have you with me. Thank you.
1: Oh, thanks, Al. It's great to be here this afternoon. It's uh and, and happy feast of Saint Therese. That's you know, true, one of my that's right. Heroes. Yeah. Yeah. Um
0: let me let me go back to something you bring out in the in the book. You said years ago you were what you would call a cultural Catholic. Uh you raised in a practicing Catholic family that went to Mass every Sunday and Holy Day. I I was raised that way as well. Um Went to religious education classes at the parish, involved in a youth group in high school. I didn't get that far, but I, I had friends who did. Um, if I, <laughs> I used to think Thanksgiving was a holy day of obligation, at least in your, your family. That's, <laughs> yes. I kind of like that. <laughs> um, how'd you end up, you know, did, did you, when did cultural Catholicism become an encounter with Christ?
1: Yeah, uh, well, I had what I call my St. Paul moment. Yeah. So after uh, in my early to mid thirties, uh, I really had no practice of a faith life uh, at all, mm-hmm. and part of it was due, um, you know, for good or bad, my my marriage had broke up, and and then um, I was shaking my fist at God. How can this happen to me? I'm one of the good guys.
0: Right. Right. You
1: know? Yeah. Um, and so I, and then. You know, God, I kept feeling God nudging me to call me back to a life of faith, and I wasn't really acting on it, so we had to take drastic measures, and uh, one morning I found myself sitting in bed in a cold sweat. Um, I had a dream that I was—I died, and I was standing before Jesus at my, my personal judgment, and the, his message to me was, I'm not entering the kingdom of heaven mm. because he gave me three souls, referring to my daughters, and I did not equip them with what they need to enter, so how is it just that I could enter? Wow. Wow. And what was really striking about that, Al, uh, and I, when I recall that dream, even now, 20 years later, he wasn't angry with me. He had a, very, a look of sad um, regret, and, and, he, and, and it's like he was really mournful that I, of my own choice, chose to leave, live a life yeah. that would exclude me from the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. You know, he was sorrowful. Uh, he was not vengeful and, and mad, you know, yeah. sort of the, uh, I'm God, I'm out to smite you. It was, he was deeply hurt yeah. and wounded because of my choice. Right. So, of course, that was my wake-up call. I said, well, if I'm going to pass this on to my children, um, what is it I'm going to pass on? So that's <laughs> when I started, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right, to, to say, well, I, I better I better start doing some study and, and find out what it's all about, because if I don't know it, how am I going to pass it on?
0: Mm. And that led you to what?
1: Well, so that led me um, to start um, reading books on the faith. So actually, I, um, you know, picked up a catechism, uh, started reading that. Mm-hmm. Uh, picked up a Bible, started uh, reading Scripture. Uh, a book that really helped me out initially, and I think a, a, a lot of people I know that have gone on a faith journey started out reading some apologetic material. So I got yeah. Carl Keating's book, yeah, um, Catholicism and Fundamentalism. Sure. Um, which, <laughs> which was really eye opening to me. Um, and then, um, I say in the, in the book, in my introduction, God sold me a bill of goods. I worked with a, an ex Catholic named Bill. Um, And here, 25 years later, he's still one of my good friends. But he left the Church, and he gave me a book and said, Understanding Roman Catholicism, read this book, you'll run from the Church like I did. (laughs) And and not having a real formal education in faith, um, I was reading the book, and I'd go, well, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. Mm -hmm. Um, So that led to several months of us going to lunch discussing the book. And that really, I say God sold me a bill of goods because he used this guy named Bill as a means to force me to start having to study yep. and really get into what does the church really teach.
0: Yep. Yeah. Very good. You know. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um and then from there uh, over the years you know I, um you know we started living the life of faith and um my pastor uh suggested that I might be uh, a candidate for the diaconate. Mm-hmm. And that got me into Sacred Heart Seminary.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um per- pursuing that I discerned ordination wasn't my call. Uh, but what it did, I think God used that, again, to open a door for me to go get a more formal study of the faith.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. yeah. I, You know, this is—it's uh, important. I mean, we're living in a time where American Catholicism has uh, got all kinds of troubles uh, in terms of its church mass attendance. Uh, we've got conflict uh, in, in the—you uh, know, conflict— Uh, among clergy and um, we're still suffering the the uh, regrets of the abuse crisis uh i i understand that uh there's after covid people are thinking that catholic mass attendance is dropping to 12 13 percent had you heard that
1: yeah so i um on march 25th Catholic World Report had an article by Russell Shaw, and he was citing a Villanova University study on church management.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And
1: in that article, um, it stated that pre-COVID, only 21% of Catholics attended Mass on a weekly basis. And their study was anticipating that after COVID, only 12% would be attending Mass on a weekly basis. And I found that shocking. Yeah. Yeah, um, And and it goes back, you know, and I think I look back in my, when I would consider myself the cultural Catholic days, mm-hmm. we went to Mass on Sunday because it's what we do, right. and then we go out to breakfast with our friends, right? Yeah. It's yeah. It's what we do. It was sort of our habit and our routine, and COVID got us all out of that routine.
0: Right. Right. You
1: know, oh, well, I live-streamed. And then you look at the numbers. I, I know our pastor was talking about, um, you know, you can see the number of people on the live-stream mass. And as the weeks went on, the live-stream attendees were fewer and fewer and fewer.
0: Yeah, yeah, even drift um, away from that.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that's kind of alarming, and, I, and I, it got me thinking. And, and, you know, it was one of—so uh, I took the time uh, with the COVID shutdowns to to write this book. Um, because I as when I could not attend mass, I was missing mass mm-hmm. um, and, and missing the Eucharist and missing that community, and I thought, and then you start hearing reports of people you know they 're thinking they 're not going to come back um, and I thought well if we if people really understood what it was we did at mass and how we participate in the worship and how we participate in the redemption yes of christ yeah by participating fully in the mass you couldn't keep us away i know
0: i know yeah Yeah. the enthusiasm would be overwhelming and i and i mean this is why i'm so happy with your writing of the book because anything we can do to help all of us uh, enter more deeply and really you can always enter more deeply even those who are enthusiasts uh, about uh, liturgy and and uh, worship uh, there's always uh, deeper to go it's uh, at the mass it 's when uh, heaven touches earth it 's where eternity enters time, and we have that privilege uh at every uh Eucharist when you um, when you, when you share the truths that you express uh, in the book, come let us worship with uh, friends and family uh are they interested do they do, are they willing to sit down and, and hear you out how how do you go about sharing with
1: them yeah great question um i've found it's been a very positive response
0: mm-hmm.
1: um from friends and family uh to the book and and non friends and family quite frankly I've, yeah. I've gotten some very good response uh, i tried to write it in a conversational tone so yeah. you don't have to have a degree in theology
0: right yeah so no, it's got to, a good to tone to get some
1: value out of the book yeah and um but I've had I've I've had um, well my my parents who were daily mass attendees uh, for years and years and years and years uh, both told me wow reading your book I learned something I didn't realize yeah um, you know f- for the fact you know how how the sacrifice Abraham sacrificing Isaac prefigures Christ mm-hmm. God the Father sacrificing His Son oh Isaac carried the wood Christ carried the cross Abraham sacrificing His only Son God sacrificing His only Son Christ some of those. You know, bringing in how the the Old Testament was really pointing to the new, and mm-hmm. and you know, it kind of goes back. You were talking to the liturgical calendar, and and uh, the salvation history unfolds for us in yeah. the readings of the Gospels, in the in the Scriptures, and Mass, the Old Testament readings. You know, the letters, and um, and and also the I think you know some eye opening. Um, uh, I had a priest friend of mine actually uh the chapter it's about time where yeah. you talk eternity meeting the the eternal moment and hitting the temporal moment.
0: Yeah.
1: And he said, you know, of all the masses he celebrated and, and you know he, he said he had a sense, but he when he when he really focused, you know, the new Jerusalem, John says he saw the new Jerusalem come down from heaven. It's heaven on earth. You know, when Saint Francis That's said, right. you know, when 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 the um the creator of the universe comes to us to the altar in the hands of a priest. Yeah. He says, let the whole world tremble. Yeah. You know, and, and it's that eternal moment. All of a sudden, we're joined. You go back to the Animesis. Um, you know, English is a poor translation for do this in remembrance of me. Mm-hmm. You know, because the Animesis is not just, let's recall a past event, it makes that past event present, present. to us. Yes. Yes. At the Eucharist, we are there present at the Last Supper yeah. with Jesus and the Apostles. Not only are we present there at the Last Supper, we're present there at every Eucharist in that eternal moment. Every Mass that's been said is being said and will be said, because God is outside of time. But when that eternal moment comes, we're connected with all of that. And when I, you know, it's almost overwhelming when you sit down and try and contemplate and put yourself in that context, you know, because we're in temporal time. Mm -hmm. Um, We really can't understand what it means to be eternal, but... To have that eternity join with us, it's just awesome.
0: It is. Christ yesterday and today, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, all time belongs to him in all ages. To him be glory and power through every age and forever. Amen. This is from page 175, David Seitz's book, Come, Let Us Worship. We'll continue our focus on the words and prayers of the Mass. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, David Seitz, author of Come, Let Us Worship, Reflections on the Words and Prayers of the Mass for anyone who's wondering what it's all about. David, uh, you're right. If the apex of the Mass is, as Father Dan Crosby teaches, the great amen, then what is it that we are amening to, and how are we amening? Uh, It's a chapter, Through Him, With Him, In Him, And uh, again, we're worshiping in one accord. We're offering the Eucharistic sacrifice to God, the Father. This issue of sacrifice, uh, the sacrifice of the Mass, it's a phrase that's often used. What is it that uh, when you think of sacrifice, uh, again, our liturgical uh, participation in the Mass, what is it that we're sacrificing?
1: Yeah, great question. You know, there's a a lot of misconceptions, you know, that the Catholic sacrifice of the Mass that we're crucifying Jesus, you know, every day at every Mass. Well, you know, it's an unbloody sacrifice. We are offering, you know, a a representation of the sacrifice of the cross. You know, St. John saw in the book of Revelation a lamb standing as if having been slain, which is a reference to Jesus, the Lamb of God, Mm -hmm. you know, who takes away the sins of the world. And so when we participate through him, with him, and in him, by baptism, we're all called priest, prophet, and king. So it got me thinking, by by my baptism, if I'm called to be priest, well, what does that mean? Well, the function of a priest is to offer sacrifice. Right. So if I'm called to be priest, prophet, and king, that means I'm also called to offer sacrifice. And, you know, I got thinking, so what what does then is required for sacrifice? You need four things. Uh, you need a victim to be sacrificed, Mm
0: -hmm. Uh,
1: you need a priest to offer the sacrifice, you need an altar or a temple on which to offer the sacrifice, and you need a God to accept the sacrifice. Hmm. And so with Jesus, we have, I look at Jesus as the perfect prayer and perfect sacrifice because he is the victim, he is the priest, the high priest, as Hebrews says over and over, Jesus Christ the high priest. So his function is to offer sacrifice. He's on the altar of the cross, and he in his divinity, he is the God who's accepting the sacrifice. Yeah. You know, when I when I think of it that way, I'm going, holy cow. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus in his divine and human nature, he is the perfect sacrifice. And then St. Paul's beautiful teaching on the body of Christ and this through him, with him, and in him, when I started thinking about, well, what does that mean? Well, we pray through him. Christ is our intercessor before the Father eternally, right? He he is standing before the throne of God, representing the sacrifice of the cross, which was his mission on earth, to come he sacrificed himself for the redemption uh, of us, of yes. you and me, mm-hmm. uh, of all people. So we, at the Mass, we are offering and we are praying through him to God the Father. See God, look at the sacrifice of your Son, have mercy on us. The, the Mass from the beginning to the end is a big prayer, asking for God's mercy, begging for forgiveness, thanking him for his redemption. And then we pray uh, through him with him, because in the body of Christ, he's he's one of us. He became man, right? He took on flesh. We are his brothers in in his human nature. So we stand with Christ. We're praying through him. He's our intercessor. We're praying with him as his brothers and sisters. And then what really is exciting to me is how we pray in him, yeah. in the body of Christ. Yes, he is the head. We are the body. And so when we are praying with uh, in him. It's, when I pray, Christ is praying. When Christ is praying, I'm praying. When you're praying, I'm praying. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, we're, we're so, in this mystical body of Christ, so tied together. Right, right. And, and it's, it's really powerful, a powerful image. And, you know, I look at the, the Psalms. Um, you know, the Holy Spirit gave us His own words to use to praise God. Uh, and and to lament. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm sixty four. The first verse is, "Oh God, hear me as I complain."
0: <laughs> I said,
1: "You know, the Holy Spirit. God gave us the words to use. It's okay to complain That's sometimes.
0: That's right. That's right.
1: But yeah, but we're praying." with him, through him, in him, right? It's all one, which I think I discuss in, a, in my chapter, uh, I discuss about sin, because I say if Mass is about the, the mercy and forgiveness, it, it implies there's something that needs to be forgiven, and that is sin. And with this union of the mystical body, you know, there's no such thing as a private sin.
0: That's right, that's you know, right. If I, yeah. if
1: I sin, I'm weakening the body overall. That's right. And when I'm at Mass and I'm offering myself, with the sacrifice joining my sufferings joining my sacrifice to the cross of Christ i am participating in the redemption of the body of christ
0: that's right
1: so i'm in a in a sense i'm i'm participating in that atonement and and to me that makes sense of, of in colossians when paul says i make up in my body what is lacking in the sufferings of christ that's a really difficult passage of scripture
0: mm-hmm.
1: cuz isn't christ's sacrifice
0: isn't his, yeah isn't his, isn't his sacrifice sufficient i mean yeah right that this was a troubling yeah, verse so, when I was a when I was an evangelical Protestant pastor, this verse really bugged me. I didn't, I did yeah, not and, have a good place it, for it.
1: Yeah, and the only way that, that I found—well, maybe it's not the only way—the way I found to make sense of that is that redemptive suffering, where we join our sufferings to the cross of Christ, yeah. joining in that in that redemption. Right. So uh, when I'm uh, you know exercising my priesthood that I get from baptism. Um, I'm I'm joining that. And so that, you know, growing up, my dad used to say, offer it up, offer it up. And, you know, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I never really gave much thought to it right. until I started thinking about how we join our sufferings to the cross of Christ.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And, you know, it doesn't mean that we're adding to his sufferings and we're taking away or we're we're, we're completing them. It means he's given us a mean to take our sufferings and our challenges and make it redemptive, which gives great meaning, which is a beauty of Christianity, I think, over some other religions, the fact that we can make our suffering redemptive for yes. the benefit of others.
0: Yeah, I, I, think, I don't think there's anything uh, like uh, this idea of St. Paul. You mentioned Colossians 124, I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ on behalf of his body, which is the Church. Uh, this idea that we are in Christ, members of his body— Uh, and that there's this mystical union between head and body. I don't know any other uh, religious tradition uh, that that even comes close to this. Um, I mean, there are certain forms of uh, non-Catholic Christianity which uh, try to approximate to it, but nothing this rich uh, uh, outside of the the Catholic tradition, as far as I can see. So... uh, We should be incredibly uh, grateful and also take this as an invitation uh, to offer it up uh, and to recognize that uh, this phrase, which is sometimes just taken for granted, this phrase represents a real mystery. The mystery uh, between the union of head and body and our participation with Christ uh, in his uh, redemptive work. It's really tremendous.
1: Oh. Yeah, and and I think, you know, when when people look and say, so I don't feel like I'm getting anything out of Mass, and I don't feel fed." You know, when I came around to the perspective that, you know, I don't go to Mass because God owes me a good feeling,
0: <laughs> right, and God right, owes me, right,
1: right this, this uh, you know, ecstatic spiritual high, you know, he, he says in John 4.23, a, a real telling verse of Scripture, he says, the hour, is, Jesus said, the hour is coming and his deed here now, when worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, and indeed the Father seeks such people to worship him. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, isn't that interesting? The Father, God, is seeking people to worship him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so we're, we're kind of responding, God is seeking us. He wants us to worship.
0: Yeah, the initiative comes from his side. We We, we often forget that. Uh, he loved us before we loved him. Uh, and, uh yes, this and, is... and our
1: worship is a response to that love.
0: Exactly, yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. And, so, and when I came to that perspective, it changed my whole thing. And then when you see how we can participate in some small way in the redemption by joining yeah. our sufferings, now, I mean, the meaning, what do I get out of that? I get to participate in the redemption of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah it this gives this also gives life extraordinary meaning and um uh, I, again i think it's under it's it's um you know it's such a remarkable it's such a remarkable truth that i think many catechists are afraid to teach it it, it it's just so uh engaging so overwhelming that uh they may feel that people won't People can't buy it. You know what I'm saying? It's just too remarkable. So they, they play yeah, well, it down, it, which is a mistake.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it took me, uh, you know, this was 20 years of reflecting and praying on the yeah. on the words of the liturgy. Yeah. You know, yeah. as, as I say, this all didn't come to me in like a, an enlightened moment of grace where, ta-da, Dave, now you know it. Um, this, this came through a lot of prayer, a lot of reflection, um, you know, looking at the words and prayers of the Mass. So if that's our highest form of liturgy and worship— then i think the words we use are important so why does the church give us these words and what do they mean
0: you mentioned in the, and the book, wasn't, yes go ahead i'm sorry
1: yeah well i was going to say and it was you know not until i started really paying attention to what it is we're saying and praying that i really started to to see the beauty and the depth yeah. of the, of the liturgy
0: you you have in the chapter on Offered up you have a, a, a illustration um about redemptive suffering and how it made a positive impact on the life of Ben. Can you share that with us?
1: Yeah, so he's a a gentleman that I've known uh, for many years, and uh, he's, you know, not the most extroverted person, but early in his life, he was out uh, taking the run through inner city. Uh, where he lived, and he was jumped by uh, some people and beaten almost to death. In fact, they thought they left him dead mm. uh, when when they were done beating him. So he went through this period of recovery in the hospital, um, and he, you know, and, and they actually caught the person. I think I think uh, some of the some of the people went went on to prison, but it really affected his life. Um, so now he he had this. So he, he's beaten. He lives in fear, and then he became also the the child of all of his siblings who's taking care of his elderly father and because he's been taking care of his father he hasn't had the social life he hasn't gotten married he hasn't had kids he and he sees his friends of similar age have families and kids and he he goes to mass and he sees these families and he sees all and he's and he was lamenting look at all the stuff i'm missing out in life because of this experience and the suffering yeah um And over the years, um, as, as, you know, he opened up more, and we started talking about redemptive suffering, and this idea of redemptive suffering gave him sort of a new appreciation, and it took a lot of that burden off of him. And now he goes, and he serves Mass, and he loves going to Mass, because he sees that his life has purpose. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's not turned out the way he would have wanted it, and, and as he imagines, well, this would be my perfect life. But now he sees the value, he can take that, and he can join it to the cross of Christ at Mass, and it gives it value. And in fact, because the depth of the suffering that he shared with me, you know, it's that depth of suffering that I think, uh, and he's come to appreciate, he has an an even more depth of worship and a depth of appreciation for the redemption. And then, you know, so it's given the suffering meaning... And by giving his suffering meaning, it's given his life purpose.
0: You you actually write in the book that he's become a Simon of Cyrene, carrying the cross with Jesus. That's a great uh, yeah. illustration. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I I think that's that's true because he's you know uh, you know I feel fortunate. You know, Saint Therese says God never gives you a cross too heavy for you to bear, mm-hmm. and and certainly God has not given me as heavy a cross as some other people that I know.
0: Yeah. David, thanks. A wonderful talking with you. Thanks for the work. Thanks for joining me today. And uh, let's talk again, okay?
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, all.
0: David Seitz, come let us worship. Reflections on the words and prayers of the Master. anyone who's wondering what it's all about, wonderfully written, too.